So in the prophetic measurements, or in the prophetic vision of Ezekiel, he was commissioned to measure the temple that had been destroyed, which is to say he was prospectively looking at the restoration not only of the temple in Jerusalem but of something else. That something else is what did the temple represent? If the temple were merely uh, a building for the entertainment of sacrifices, as temples would be, then prophesying the rebuilding of the temple as an end to itself is no great moment. That could have waited until, it could have waited for another, um, what was remaining of the 70 years that they were supposed to be in Babylonian captivity. Could have waited and prior to that, and when it was time for, for the first and second waves of refugees to come back from Babylon, at that point uh, a vision of the rebuilt temple could have been given. But in the midst of captivity, which also indicates that captivity was a type and shadow as well, and the, the, the measurement of the temple, giving measurements for the temple, very complete, very detailed measurements of the temple, and I don't have time to get into the numbers 5 and 10 and 14 and 3 and the rest of it, because they all are symbolic as to significant measurements of the entrances and the exits and the, the, the dimensions of rooms and what those things are related to. They all have their spiritual coefficients. So both the measurement of a temple that now has been destroyed and the doing of it in a time of captivity are critically important prophetic factors. Because it's foreshadowing a time when that which the temple represented, that which the physical temple represented, namely the people of God, would need to know that God has not forgotten them. They would need to be encouraged to continue on to the conclusion of the matter, although they were faced with opposition on every side. Now it served that purpose of encouraging natural Israel in the time of Babylonian captivity, but even natural Israel is a type and shadow of what has been described as the Israel of God, the Prince of God. We forget that the name Israel is a prophetic name not just given to Jacob, to Yaakov, the supplanter, the heel grabber. He was given a name that was prophetic for the Prince of Peace, 
the Sar Shalom, the King of Righteousness, the Melchizedek is Christ. And here we're not merely speaking of Mary's son, son of man. We're speaking of the spiritual man who is comprised of many members, according to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. The, the, the physical body is comprised of many members, it tells us, and so is the body of Christ. And then he describes certain functions associated with certain members. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And I'm quoting now, referencing both 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Until we all grow up into the fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ, the spiritual man, not the man from Galilee or who was born in Nazareth. This is the the meat of Scripture. This is both the mystery and the revelation of mystery of Scripture. So when the end of the age comes, this this is why it's a bogus notion to suggest the book of Revelation was was finished in the first century. It's, It's silly, it's nonsensical, because the book of Revelation here and in numerous other places, contains symbols that reference things that have been spoken in the plain and ordinary meaning of Scripture. The body of Christ is the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God dwells by His presence. Now, when he said, I was given a measuring rod, or given a reed, a canon, uh, like a measuring rod, The reference also implies a standard, a standard by which it is to be determined the readiness of the house of God. In the case of Israel and and the restoration of the temple as prophesied by Ezekiel, uh, the rod and the line of flax that was given was a prophesying of the, the rebuilding of the destroyed temple and the continuation of the symbolic reference of what the temple portrayed, but the reality is the measuring of the house of God. And that is to be accomplished by a rod, by a rod. Now in all the divisions of the temple, in all the references to the temple, we see a progress in the book of Ezekiel, we see a progression from the outer court to the inner court. We see the chambers of the priest, the vestibule of the temple, all in chapter uh, 40 and 41, the inner temple. Uh, we, we continue with that, the temple's chambers uh, in 42 and, uh, and going forward in, uh, and then in 43, in 43, when the temple has been rebuilt in verse uh, 
in verse 4, it says, And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces the east. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And he said to me, one who was speaking said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet. And then he goes on to say, Now let them put their harlotry and the carcasses of their kings far away from me, and I will dwell in their midst forever. And then this amazing verse, verse 43, Son of man, describe the house, the temple to the house of Israel. In another version it is said, it says to be son of man, show the house to the house, that the pattern may be ashamed, that they may be ashamed of the iniquities and let them measure the pattern. In the midst of a prophecy regarding the restoration of the physical temple, is the prophecy of the temple as the dwelling place of God. And the place where His throne is, and the place where His glory abides. Now, all but the most blind and deaf of people will fail to understand, will, will not fail to understand, only the deaf and the blind will fail to understand that this is a reference to the body of Christ. And it's not a reference to the rebuilt temple under the hand of Zerubbabel. In fact, we know that the rebuilt temple under the hand of Zerubbabel was such a diminished version of its original grand and glorious state, the one built by Solomon, that the few who survived Babylonian captivity of 70 years, when they saw the new temple, they wept because it was so underwhelming by comparison to what they remembered as the glory of the former temple. And God did that so that no one would mistake the fact that these descriptions about the temple to be rebuilt following the Babylonian captivity was not in fact what Ezekiel was instructed to commemorate by prophetic reference. It was pointing beyond that physical temple to the place where the glory of God abides. And it says, the glory of the Lord came into the temple by the way of the gate which faces the east. Classically, the entrance point of the Messiah, the King because it is toward the rising sun. God always does things by bringing in, by causing there to be first darkness 
and then out of darkness to bring revelation. So it's evening and morning according to the structure of revelation. And the one who arises is the glory of God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. The Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesians and he tells them that for long ages past, indeed before the foundations of the world, in chapter 1 he says, before the foundations of the world, we were seen in Christ. God referenced us in Christ, the biblical doctrine of propitiation, to include us in the person of Christ and to to cover us with the glory of sonship by including us in the pattern son so that when he looks on Christ, he sees the many-membered body of Christ. That is his dwelling place and the premise of the book of Ephesians is threefold according to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Paul says, I'm writing to you, you who have been included in Christ from the foundations of the earth, from, since before the foundations of the world, he said, you who have been included in Christ, I'm writing to you that you might understand three things. Number one, what is the hope of His calling? In other words, what did He invest by way of hope in calling you? What is the hope of His calling? What is His glorious inheritance, His inheritance in the saints? And keep in mind you can't be an heir, which relates to the term inheritance, which is the term clergy, clerou. You can't have that unless you're a son. So what is the hope of His calling, number one? Number two, what is, is His inheritance in the saints, in the corporate man? And number three, what is the working of His mighty power? That has to do with His throne. Workings of His mighty power on behalf of those who believe. The workings of His power, he said, is like when He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him far above all rule and authority and any title that may be given, not only in the present age but in the one to come, and set everything under His feet and made Him to be head over all things for the church which is His body. So where is the throne of God? If you ask the question relating to who has the authority of God, then the throne of God is in the midst of the four living creatures, which is the corporate man. The authority of Christ in heaven and on earth rests in the corporate man. That's why He could say to His disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me, go ye therefore. Whether in heaven or on earth, we are held together, we are moved by 
we are empowered by the divine authority which in creation is symbolized by the throne of God and it's in the midst of the four living creatures. So this was the reference to the the throne of God, might I add, throne of God was never placed at any time in the temple in Jerusalem, not in the temple of Solomon, not in the rebuilt temple of Zerubbabel and definitely not in the temple that Herod rebuilt in the days of Jesus. No, this is a prophecy of the house of God. Therefore when he says, son of man, show the house to the house. It's not a play on words. He's saying, show the perfected body to the beleaguered body so that they might have hope because of what I am doing. Now this is precisely what's going on in the book of Revelation, the 11th chapter, when he says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and angel says, rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. Now further to that, and I would strongly encourage the reading of Ezekiel 40, 41, 42 and 43 at a minimum. Hook into that for the prophetic significance of what he's saying here in the beginning of Revelation 11. And in fact, you cannot understand about the two witnesses and their role and how they are oppressed by the beast that comes up out of the abyss with the intent of killing them and the language that speaks of the oppression of the saints in, from as far back as Daniel 7 that tells us that it would be for time, times and half a time until the power of the holy people has been finally, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. And that is, that is a statement of urgency in the present time because we are observing the power of the holy people being shattered while we are watching. But because the prophets of the hour are asleep, in fact they have been numbed and their senses dulled by their compromise and complicity justifying the unjustifiable and deceiving the people under their rule for their own gain. Let me say this, most of what I have been reading and seeing, most of what's coming across my desk and across my my iPad, iPhone and other electronic communication devices, attributed to prophets for a long time has been nothing more than gossip by busy bodies because they did not continue to pursue God, to hear from God, but instead they, they, they decided 
that when politicians did what they thought politicians should do, in fact, when politicians did what they told politicians to do, that this was God fulfilling scripture. And they, 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 they crowed about it, they created their own wave and they rode it and they called it God. They, they invented things, they made up such notions as the prayer movement, they made up such things as reconciling to uh, uh, um, people groups. Let me ask you this, what good has all the reconciling with people groups done? What shred of evidence that it did any good remains in this time when by common consent everyone agrees that the nation is more divided now than it has ever been in its history. And racism is fraying the very fabric of the nation. What about all this reconciling that had been done or do people simply forget? Whether it was praying through the 1040 window, national reconciling, um, prophetic uh, prayer and prophetic uh, uh, um, um, presbyteries and the rest of it. This is just garbage. None of this you can find in the scriptures. Now I am not saying that there isn't real prophecy and real prophets and prophetesses. I'm not saying that. But I've seen over these years every, every dissatisfied uh, preacher, every uh, every um, unfulfilled housewife wanting to be a prayer warrior or a prophetic figure. It's the easy way to get there, to have relevance. I'm telling you now, the bill has come due for this folly and it's God Himself who's sweeping the board. Even it's God Himself who has allowed for the spirit of delusion to so fully captivate the people because it's the people who wanted it so. The prophets prophesied falsehoods, the priests ruled by their own authority and they got away with it because the people became consumers of this garbage and they were satisfied with symbols, tokens like bones thrown at them and they made a bargain with the devil because of their lusts. It's time to pay the piper. God was not in it. They created their own waves and mistakenly thought that because of the numbers of people they could stir up who would come to their conferences and pay for whatever and made these fellows rich, men and women, that God was in it. This was the delusion and it's ripe. Not only is it ripe, it's fallen off the tree.
But you know what? Instead of these witless sorts coming around and saying, my God, we've, we've been drugged by the wine of our own folly. No, they keep going. They keep going. And the blowback that they feared and imagined had come will now come. This is the shaking. It's part of the measuring of the temple. Because one of the things spoken of by the Lord Jesus, spoken concerning the Lord Jesus Christ was from Isaiah 11, a rod will come from the stump of Jesse. The rod is a double meaning. It's the standard of measurement and it's an instrument because it's a standard of measurement, it's an instrument of correction and judgment. Judgment inevitably comes whenever the righteousness of the standard has been brought back and that's what we're seeing. Christ is appearing in His temple and He's cleansing the temple of the money changers, the vagabonds, the thieves, the deceivers, the, the delusioned. He's cleansing His house. For who in this hour can embrace the folly of present-day evangelical Christianity, the hypocrisy of it, the self-serving nature of it. None of this speaks the truth now. That's what's open, that's what's clear. And the fact that some of these operators would say, well, oops, I made a mistake. No, God has much more that He intends to unveil, you're not going to be allowed to simply continue. You've been discredited, now repent in the sense of standing back, stand down. If you're going to be used again, it'll be because you've learned the humility of being corrected and if you will not learn it, God has bypassed you. When a, when a prophet loses the spirit of God of pro, and the spirit of prophecy, he's like salt that has lost its savor. He's good for nothing except to be thrown out. But in the current day things, all you have to do is say, oops, I'm sorry, and keep right on going and, and, and let the money continue to flow because the people love it so. These leaders get away with it because they're speaking as the voice of the people. They have not spoken for God. They're not measured by the rod. They're not, when measured by the rod of God's judgment, when weighed in the balances of God's judgments and justice, they are light. They're found wanting. Everybody who is serious about God knows that there is more to it than what they're hearing. But the churches are echoing halls of 
hollow sounds, but there is something real and God is about to raise it, God is about to disclose what He has done. I'll continue uh, with the measurement of the temple. I'm Sam Solon, join me then, bye-bye.